Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 187. So I am recording this on Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, and you are going to be listening to it anytime on or after June 6th. This is, I'm going to be a brief intro because today I am really excited to have a guest on the show. And I know recently I've done a number of solo episodes. So we're going to get back today to doing one of the things I absolutely love, which is having conversations with different people in different areas of the movement industry, the business side of that. And today's going to be a special conversation. So Joanna Sapir is on the show and you're going to hear all about her in a moment. We have this really great conversation where she not only shares a lot about how she can help uh, yoga teachers, wellness practitioners in various areas of their respective industries really help the people that they're uh, designed to help. And this conversation gets into, this part of it gets into a little bit around understanding yourself as a teacher, as a practitioner, and who do you love serving and who is really the ideal customer person for you to, to help with your services. So today's show is gonna be a little bit more focused on the business side of things. And I know for many of you, especially right now, with things still being somewhat in a state of flux, you may be feeling a little bit unsure or a little bit on unsteady ground when it comes to creating some uh, foundation in your business. And please keep in mind, if you're listening and you're not depending on your teaching uh, uh, earnings, you have a regular full-time job, this is still a really valuable conversation for you to hear because we get into things that really transcend, you know, kind of the role of your business. There's still a lot that Joanna shares that can benefit someone who's teaching on the side. Uh, however, if you are a full-time teacher, practitioner, and you really want to get a handle on the business side of things, 
this episode is for you. There's just a lot of good takeaways here. So uh, without much more hesitation, we're going to go to that episode. I do want to direct you, though, to the show notes because there's going to be a reference Joanna makes to a conversation she had with another yoga teacher on her podcast. So a link for that will be there. Plus, there's also a really valuable link to a resource Joanna has, which is a recorded masterclass where she goes into uh, much more detail than we do today about how um, you can develop a strategy for your business. So both links will be in the show notes. And just to wrap up one more thing about how you access that, you're probably listening on iTunes or maybe listening on Podbean. The best way to get to the show notes is to just visit the episode on my website, barebonesyoga.com. On the podcast page, you'll see this episode is the most recent one posted. And the show notes have the link to both of those resources. You can, of course, listen on whatever platform you'd like. Just to get to those links, go to the show notes uh, on my website. So that's it. Let's go into this episode. I'm super excited to have you meet Joanna Sapir. Here we go. Hi there. Hello, hello. Joanna, how are you? How are you? Good. It's so good to meet you. Thank you so much for sharing your time here on the show. It's great to, uh, to get you on and to find out more about you. Great to be here and nice to meet you, Karen. Yes, very much. So tell me where you're calling in from. Where do you live? I live in Northern California in Sonoma County, about an hour north of San Francisco. Oh my God. Yes, it's it's a beautiful place to live. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's funny. When you emailed, I never asked where you were, where you lived. So yeah, that is a beautiful dream location. So wonderful, wonderful. How long have you been out there? I grew up in the Bay Area, which um, a lot of people consider this a Bay Area. I don't <laughs> because yeah. it's not exactly on the Bay, but um, I grew up here and then I moved here to Sonoma County Um 13 years ago. So I've been in Sonoma County for 13 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, now I have to ask only because it's here on the East coast, we see news about this a lot. Have you ever been affected by any of the fires that we see so much about? Oh, totally. Yeah. So here in Sonoma County, we were, um, we were the place where in 2017 was the first fires that came, you know, from wildlands into, I can't really call it urban areas. We're an agricultural county, but it came into our largest city, which is only 160,000 people and burned, you know, 5,000 homes and structures. So that was the first of what became just a series of these fires. And yes, I didn't, my house didn't burn and I wasn't even evacuated, but I mean, we're such a small county. I, I just, for example, interviewed a client on my podcast who was somebody who, when I was working with him, lost everything. I have multiple friends who lost everything and it absolutely impacted our lives. I mean, the fires came the next two years as well. <laughs> it was just, it's been nuts. And these past couple years, last year, and you know, knock on wood, you know, we'll see how, how this fire season pans out, but we didn't have fires in the last year and everyone's just kind of breathing a sigh of relief. It, it really impacts everything. The air quality, you're, you're stuck in your house. It's so stressful. There's been a lot of collective trauma in our area, for sure. When it gets windy out and it's warm, 
everybody sort of is on edge, you know? So yeah, definitely impacted. Wow. Yeah. It certainly makes you think in all the news reports we see about what would you grab in the five minutes and the, the pictures or the videos of people driving down the highway and the flames are right in front of them or right behind them or to the sides. I mean, we here in Massachusetts never experience that kind of thing. So it just, and I always find it so not ironic, but just so paradoxical that such a beautiful state with so much beauty. I mean, Sonoma County, I mean, well, hopefully this year and hopefully globally we'll get on top of all of what creates these problems. And uh, in the meanwhile, you, you do what you can do to stay safe, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have gotten good at, um, learning how to, you know, clear brush away from our homes. And that box, the go bag, we call it, is just a regular thing now. We all know <laughs> how to pack up, pack up the stuff that we want. You know, I already yeah. know now, like, okay, the photo albums and then this and the this. And, right, right. Know. Yeah, it certainly probably does make you live in a way that you're not as attached. Like you think about what are the priority things, which yeah, it's kind of a mindfulness sort of theme as well. So, well, that is interesting. So I guess, you know, for the listeners to be completely transparent, we have not met before. And I was really glad when you reached out and you were like, hey, you know, I'd love to, you know, connect with you. And I love, love having people on the podcast here. And you have a podcast yourself, as you mentioned. So, you know, you probably have guests on. And it's just, I think in today's world, I'm super uh, glad that we now have this new medium uh, as a way to meet people. I mean, I, I sort of selfishly, when people write me, as long as it's related content wise, I love getting people on because it's such a great way for me to meet new people and, um, and have kind of the excuse to have my first conversation with somebody be content for the show. So it's, that's why I said in the email, I sort of like to discover things as they're happening. So it's really as if we were at, um, you know, an event or a cocktail party or something, and there are other folks in our conversation as well. So I think having said that, I I went and, you know, reread a little bit of what you wrote when we connected initially. So I have a sense of sort of where your focus is. Um, So maybe that's a good place to start, like share a little bit about what you do now. And then I'd love to kind of put it into context of your, your life and sort of how you got there, because I'm sure there's a bit of a backstory. Um, And, you know, I think at any point we can kind of say, this is what I'm doing now. Like even just today, I just started to do something on the side that I haven't done for many, many years, but I love to do, which is being a personal chef. And I have a little bit of a different schedule now since COVID, I don't teach as much uh, in person. So when I, uh, actually was watching the CBS Sunday morning show and they highlighted a, a San Francisco based company called chef.com S-H-E-F, and they hire personal chefs or people who just love to cook for people. And so just today I went and picked up my supplies and I'll start cooking for folks this week. And it's something when I first was a yoga teacher, I did on the side until I built up enough of my classes. So I didn't have to do that. And I loved doing that. And so that's something that a lot of people wouldn't know about me. And I'm sure you have many similar things before you got to where you are now. So 
having said that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we can fill in some of the blanks of how you got there. Yeah, sure. So I am a business strategist, and I work with wellness practitioners, um, particularly people. So I don't just work with yoga teachers, though I work with plenty of yoga teachers. Generally, I work with people who, this is a bit unique, who bring in multiple modalities into their work in, in wellness fields. So for example, yoga teachers who might say, but I really am doing more than yoga. It's not just yoga that I'm teaching, right? They're kind of going into some other depths and really seeing it, uh, the yoga they do as more therapeutic in some specific way, for example. So I work with well, these wellness practitioners on business strategy. And so I'm sure you know, um, most people who are you know, drawn into helping professions like, um, like wellness, we, we do this work because we wanna help people. We don't do this work. We don't have MBAs. We didn't, we didn't you know, study business and then go, this is the business I'm going to study. It's we came to this work. We were pulled to this work in some way, called to this work in some way. We're here to help people. So most of us start these businesses and don't have a clue about how to run a business. So that's what I help people do is actually develop the business skills and the strategy, which I'd say 99.9% .9 of wellness practitioners are missing the strategy to actually build a profitable and sustainable business that can give you the income you want, the time freedom you want, et cetera, and serve your clients really deeply. Mm -hmm. So that's the work that I do. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say if someone listening is thinking, well, I have a regular full-time job and I'm teaching yoga or a personal trainer or some other variation uh, of movement professional. I'm just doing this on the side. It really doesn't matter if I have a strategy or not. What would you think about that? Um, I mean, I, I know that plenty of people listening maybe are, are, are teaching yoga on the side from a regular from a regular job. I work with people who have already stepped into. I really work with established practitioners who have already stepped into, you know, full time doing this work. This is what they've decided to do. Yep. Now that's that's different than what you you just said. What if they're teaching other movement stuff? So that is really where. Um, I, I, a lot of people I work with may be teaching multiple things. Mm -hmm. And what usually the reason they're teaching them in this isolated or separate way is because that seems to just be the way that these things are offered out in the world mm -hmm. rather than doing it because they think that's what's best for clients. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so Tell me more about that. Okay, so what I help a, a practitioner do is actually integrate whatever modalities they're using in order to serve their clients as deeply as possible. So um, let's just say, you know, um, somebody the other day was telling me, oh, yes, my partner is planning on starting this wellness center and they're going to have like herbal herbalism, like herbal, uh, you know, treatments, and they're going to have acupuncture and they're going to have body work. So that's a, that's a common model, right? There's these different things that a client can get. The problem is, is that um, when it's put out there like a menu of services, it is leaving it to the client to determine what it is that they need. Mm -hmm. What is the right fit for whatever their 
their problems they're trying to address or goals they're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, that's taking away our leadership as wellness professionals who really have a background in what we do and know how to help people mm -hmm. to put it in their hands and say, oh, what service would you like? Right. Is, I call it the freelancer trap. It's this yeah. idea of, oh, I just going to sell, I'm just going to offer and sell what people want. And so what I say is that, no, you don't provide what people want. We provide what they need. And mm -hmm. so um, practitioners that work with me, we develop processes where they're bringing clients in and they're actually assessing what's going on with the client and designing a program or plan, treatment plan, whatever it is, based on what the client actually needs. And so in the case that I just mentioned, you know, somebody said to me the other day about this wellness center. So a, a, a potential client, prospective client would come to this wellness center and it would start with an assessment. What's going on with you? What are your goals? What are the, what are you trying to address? What is it you're trying to, you know, be, achieve, do? And then the practitioner is who lays out, here's the ways to do that. And that might include, you know, that might include the herbs and body work, right? right. Or it might right. include these multiple, these multiple pieces rather than what is it that you want? Because so much of the time our, our clients, don't know. They think that they, you know, they think they know what they need, but they're often missing quite a lot of, well, they don't have the expertise that we do, you know? So I help practitioners step into that leadership, but through um, the structures of their business, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So we're at kind of the here and now and what you're doing. So let's take a step back and share a little bit about how you got here. How did this entity of your business and you helping people in this way, how did that come to be? Yeah, well, I, um, I was a practitioner who started a business with no yeah. background in business whatsoever. I actually ended up, um, I opened a strength and conditioning gym. Okay. And I moved here to Sonoma County and it almost, it, I say that I did it by accident. No, that's not totally true. It's not, I mean, you, you don't start a, a brick and mortar business totally by accident, but it was not something I had ever had a vision of. I was a veteran public school uh, history teacher, high school history teacher. I, I, that was totally my calling and my career. I was very dedicated to it. I taught teachers. I, I was very much in education and went through this big life shift that involved, you know, a divorce and becoming a newly single parent and having two babies. And I went through the shift and that's how I actually moved up here. I decided to kind of make this change and I intended to stay in education. But when I came up here, um, I was looking for a place to do the kind of fitness, the physical training that I had been doing where I lived previously in Oakland and I couldn't find it. And um, it had been a form of, of movement that had changed my life. You know, it had been so incredibly empowering for me um, that not only was I looking for a place to keep doing it, but I knew that it could change people's lives, just like, just like many people find yoga, right? And it changes their life and that's why they feel called to teach. It was the same kind of thing. And so if I had found a place here where I, where I had moved to, 
that offered this, I, I, I wouldn't have started a business, you know? Um, I really was trying to fill what I felt was a hole, a, a need in this community. So that's how I ended You're up- saying you started your own business so you could actually exercise in the way that you wanted to. That was sort of the inspiration because you couldn't find like a, like a strength and conditioning focused. That was definitely the impetus. Yeah, that oh. was definitely the impetus. And um, I mean, you know, I was, I was doing it alone. I mean, to, it was very organic. It was basically, I started because I looked around, I tried all these different places, nothing was what I was looking for. So I started working out um, on the land where I lived and various people that I met would be like, oh, can I do that with you? And so people started showing up at the land. It'd be like, you mean like you're outside. Out, we were outside, yep. <laughs> And, you know, I started like buying equipment and people started coming over and, you know, I was teaching them how to do this stuff. And, um, and after a few months, I mean, several months, I was like, okay, winter's coming and it's going to start to rain. So I better find some place to do this indoors. And that, that's how it all, when I say accidental, I mean, it was super, super organic. It was just kind of I, I honestly initially was looking for just somebody, I live in an agricultural county, you know, so I was initially just looking for somebody's barn that they might want to rent me. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? and I looked around and looked around and couldn't find anything. So I ended up kind of going to Craigslist and ended up renting a, a commercial warehouse space. And, and that was it. That was the birth of the business. And um, yeah, and then it, it really took off. So um, what year was this? This was 2008. Okay, so a long time ago. Yeah. So did you want to be a teacher? Of, I mean, you for many years were a teacher of history. And I think teaching has a lot of similarities, although I would say teaching history and teaching movement, although even though your own practice and, and fitness routine was probably at the point where you could do it in your sleep, it's always different, though, when now you're teaching it, and then you were teaching it outside, but now you have your own brick and mortar. So tell us how that whole thing felt to you. Yeah, I, I love that you're, I love your observations. I mean, for sure, teaching is teaching, you know? Yeah. And so yes, different, different subject matter and, you know, physical versus cerebral kind of stuff. But um, I'd say the teaching part was very natural to me. I've always been very athletic and kinesthetic. Um, so the teaching of it was very natural. I did absolutely go and get certifications as I realized I was doing this, you know, so went and started, you know, studying and, and getting certified. Um, but I think what's, what's something that's relevant here is that I started that business, not with the intention of I'm fulfilling my life's purpose here, you know, and, and that's relevant in that, um, I knew I just wanted this to exist in my community, but I didn't need to be the one always on the gym floor teaching it, which is, which is different. I think a lot of practitioners, I mean, definitely that I work with, um, they can't imagine, like to them, the work is working directly with the clients. Yeah, they're the brand, it's their name, it's their everything. And so, yeah, so fairly early on, I was ready to, move into a more ownership and leadership place, you know? But I didn't do that until I 
completely hit a wall. <laughs> so, um, I mean, as far as how did I, you know, learn everything that I know now to teach practitioners in business, I made all the mistakes. I mean, my business took off. So some businesses, you know, limp along and struggle, and then some of them take off. Both, both ends have their problems. And as far as taking off, I was all alone. I was a single mom of two really young kids. And I ended up getting very sick just from stress. You know, it was so much, I was handling so much. And that was a real wake up call for me. That was probably six months, just six months into, into the business. Owning the and the business. irony was you probably didn't have time to exercise. <laughs> the whole I, catalyst, you were inspired to, to start it because of that. Yeah, we see that a lot. I mean, in my case, I definitely was exercising, but I, you know, everything was on me. I mean, just everything was on me the way a solo practitioner is. So, you know, there's a physical space I'm taking care of. There's every single client, there's all the billing, there's just everything, you know? So teaching every class and, and so on. So, um, so I had that wake up call and started to realize, okay, what, what am I really trying to do here? Since I had kind of started it by accident, right? You know, and so I had to actually start to create a plan and a vision and then create a strategy to achieve that vision. And so fairly early on, I knew that my vision was, okay, I want this thing to exist here in this county, but I don't need to be the face of it. I don't need to even own it necessarily. I wanna build it to a place where I can pass it on and essentially sell it. Not essentially, I wanted to build it to be a sellable business. Mm -hmm. And having that vision, I mean, that's just a great tip for anyone listening. Having a vision for how you want to leave your business is totally important. It can be hard for people to come up with that when they're really early in business, but it is something to start thinking about is, you know, your age matters too. If you're older, it's like, is this what you're retiring from? If that's the case, is the business going to shut down and stop when you leave? Or do, can you pass it on in some way? Do you want to? I think I happen to be a very legacy driven person. It really matters to me kind of the mark that, that I make. And I want something that I create to exist, you know, without me, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to have me in it. And so for me, it was very much, yes, I want to sell this. And it, that really impacts your exit plan, really impacts what you're building and what your strategy is, because that meant that I had to build a business that would be worth someone buying. Right. And that meant that it needed to have the systems and structures in place. You know, we, you can sell a business where you're just selling like the equipment and the client list. Right, right, right. Uh, that's not the same as I'm selling a whole brand and functioning business that's already profitable and going to make you money, you know? Right. Um, and so that's what I set about to, to build. And so I did end up selling it in 2017. Yeah. So, but you had it then for a, a long time. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah. I mean, that's for, a. I mean, I think in those days, I mean, I think back to yoga studios in those days, those were somewhat early days for yoga in the US, somewhat sort of 2000, late 1990s. And, you know, it was really, at least here in the Boston area, there wasn't a studio on every corner. So you could still open a studio and have your classes with 40 and 50 people in each class, pretty much all day. Um, before COVID, that was not the case before COVID, um, 
there was a studio everywhere, sometimes across the street or down the street from one another. And, you know, depending on the studio, some classes would have three people, five people, 10 people, because there was just so much choice and so much competition to get people to come to your studio. So studios would discount classes, do Groupon, all that kind of thing. Um, I think though, it sounds like you were doing really well and the timing was really great. You said you sold it in 2017, 2017. Yeah, so obviously long before, yeah. So by the time you had sold it, I'm just curious, did it look like a brick and mortar with standard, with like a, a regular clientele and a number of instructors and that sort of like regular schedule happening of classes? <clears throat> yeah, I had a staff. I mean, I had a staff fairly early on, started growing that. Again, I, I've made all the mistakes that one could make. <laughs> and I learned how to do everything better based on the mistakes. Wow. And um, yeah, so there's a staff. I mean, one of my one of my measures of what I consider a sustainable business is one that can run without you as oh. the owner, you know, yeah. be, being there all the time. And so um, so that, that's what I built. Um, so yeah, there's a staff and over the years, um, I, this is a kind of key piece of what I teach, what I teach practitioners, as I was mentioning, as I was mentioning, um, you know, really assessing a client's need and giving them what they need rather than what they want right. over the year. That's a core piece of what I teach is really, to, uh, mapping out a journey to get your clients the best results possible. And so I learned that in the course of the, the gym as well. So when I first opened, it was just, you know, group fitness classes and you just showed up, you know, to your classes. I did already have at that time, a monthly, a monthly membership model. So you paid one price and you had access to, you know, these sort of unlimited classes, but over the years that evolved to really serve clients at a deeper level. So, um, by the end, what we had was, um, we had a full assessment process when somebody came in and they got customized, um, programming, um, for a couple days a week. And, and then there were also these kind of group fitness classes that were just kind of supplementary and, and for fun, but the core, the core of what they were getting was a customized, um, program for them based on their goals and, and their mm -hmm. bodies. Mm -hmm. Now, what was it about that time in 2017 that you sold it? Like what made that the right time? Because I mean, gosh, your kids basically grew up with mom owning this place, you know, when you describe them as being young in 2017 and the time frame there. So you were, you were doing it, you were in it, you were doing it. So what made that, was it an offer that was too good to be true? Was it that you were like, you woke up one day and said, okay, enough is enough. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> well, I had been planning on it for years. So it was just kind of a, a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And um, this is this has a complex answer. So I um, a couple years before that even had um, had found some potential buyers. First of all, somebody somebody had come and asked me early on. Somebody approached me out of the blue offering to buy it. And at that point, I realized, OK, if I sold it right now, what would I do? At that point, I still was really my heart was really still there. 
And I realized that if I sold it, I would actually just want to go open another gym. Yeah. <laughs> and do, do it something all over like, again. Yeah, do it. Yeah, but do it, you know, slightly different and slightly better. And so I realized, okay, that means it's not time to sell it yet. And why don't I make make it now what, you know, what I would do if I were to start over. So I kind of set, set about doing that. Um, I did find, you know, I found some potential buyers at one point, I think I started to realize that, um, that, you know, um, that time, the timing was going to matter <laughs> of, of, um, of where the business was at. What was really interesting to me was realizing it fitness has um and it's the same same with yoga it's a very low barrier to entry business anybody can start a fitness business a yoga studio really um and so your business has to be worth so much more than just starting out a new one otherwise why would anybody pay if somebody can pay let's just say thirty dollars $30, to start their own business why are right. they going to pay a hundred thousand or whatever you're you're wanting, right? For for something else, so it's really gotta be there. But there's also a limit to how much you're gonna get, um, no matter what, because that barrier to entry is so low. <clears throat> so, um, what did you ask me? Why 2017? Yeah, uh, I think I think so. Early on, when I had found these potential buyers, I realized, okay, still not quite ready yet. I still want to develop this to be a little bit further along, is what I thought. And then around um, 2017, I had had I had had a major move. I had had some major shifts in my business, and interestingly, I will note that it was actually at a lower lower point. It was performing at a lower place than it had been in the previous three years. And I think I realized this is actually a great time to sell it <laughs> because if I wait until it's performing really high, I think what my lesson had been previously was it doesn't necessarily mean I can get more for it when it's performing really high. Does that make sense? Because yeah. just because of that low barrier to entry. So, um, so when I've, I had, I had potential buyers and it just, you know, it just ended up being the right time. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> so that's 2017. Here we are in 2022. So I'm sure there was some period of time where the deal was getting done and you were maybe starting to think about what am I going to do next? Because once I think I've never owned a yoga studio, but I've been a teacher for a long time. So I've known many friends who have, and it's a very different lifestyle when you own a studio versus when you're a practitioner, whether it's a fitness trainer, a personal trainer, or yoga teacher. So did you know at that point what you wanted to do next? I did. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was kind of doing uh, this kind of work on the side over the last several years of owning the gym, well, first of all, I had been recruited by a, biz, a fitness business coaching company um, several years before I sold to be one of their coaches. So first that gave me my first taste of like, really felt like my teacher self, you know? Yeah. And it was all online. So I was coaching fitness businesses across the country and world even through this company. So that gave me this kind of taste of, of that. Um, and, uh, I didn't do that for that long, maybe a year and a half, but what I did see and what pulled me into this work that I do now was that I, so, um, 
I didn't mention, but like I, I, I am and was a competitive Olympic style weightlifter. And so here I'm this competitive athlete. I'm also like older. So I have got this body that I got to really, really take care of. Right. So, you know, and I'm into, I'm into health and wellness. So I'm working with at this time, various practitioners in my nutrition and body work, right. And naturopathy. And just, I'm, I locally um, am the client of many different wellness practitioners to keep myself healthy because I care about that. And because I, I got to take care of the body. Um, and it was through, it was through those experiences as a client that I was able to see like, wow, these people are brilliant. Oh, right. And they are just like not running their business as well. Like They're some of them running around doing the single threaded thing and exactly. you're like there's so much more you could do yeah and so they're like overworked not making enough money bending over backwards for clients you know and selling on this a session by session model which i i think is uh is is not the way the best way to serve your clients and here i am a client actually ready to fully commit to like you know what I mean? Like, I want these people like on my team, like I'm with you and they're still just selling me sessions rather than, you know, a program or a process to help me get to my goals. And, and they're struggling financially, right? you know? And so, and these are people who became friends, you know, because I'm seeing them regularly and care about them. And so I saw this need, just like when I had first moved here and there was no gym to do the kind of things I yeah. wanted, you know, yeah. it was like, it was such a clear need um, and so I very much saw like, I can help these folks. And so I did really start, I started kind of mentoring people and I say mentoring cause it wasn't anything formal, but I started mentoring practitioners who knew me and who, you know, they knew I had this successful business. So they were asking me for help. And, um, and I knew that I really enjoyed that and that I could formalize it and really, really help people out. So I knew, I knew this is what I was going to yeah. do. And I and was, when you were doing that sort of informally, were you getting paid by them to do this or you were just sort of meeting them for coffee and just talking to them about, yeah, it depends on kind of what time period we're talking about. And, and it's like, I don't even in my memory, couldn't even yeah. I really think through probably in earlier years, it was totally informal, but I do remember I kind of set up some, I definitely wasn't charging people um, until I started this business, but I definitely had some kind of trades here and there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah got <laughs> um, it. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of free massage and acupuncture and that kind of thing. Yeah. So so when did, or not so much when, because I have a sense of like where we are chronologically. So then at some point it becomes a formal business, what you're, what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like. Yeah. Well, so I sold the business and maybe a month and a half, two months later, kind of actually formed, you know, this business entity and, and, uh, I, what, what do you want to know? Like, how did well, I, I mean, start how do you, how did you find clients initially? Did you kind of get these folks that you were seeing for your own personal health um, to yeah. kind of jump on board and, and what kinds of, especially because you have this sort of strategic way of kind of helping a client navigate through the offerings that you have by starting out like with a physical assessment, if we're, you know, back in the day of the physical brick and mortar that you had. So how does that work with people that you see? Yeah, this is a big question. Okay. 
So when I first started my business, it was, you know, one-on-one with clients and, you know, I kind of mapped out what I knew, I knew from experience they needed in their businesses to make them more profitable and sustainable. And just like any practitioner, you start out and you do the best you can, you get whatever clients you can, you see how it goes. And so this is, um, it's interesting because I teach some very specific business um, strategies, structures, and processes. And I, I work with established practitioners, you know, people who have been in business uh, for at least a few years or making some money, have, have, have leads coming in and so on. Regularly, people will kind of show up in my audience who are brand new and just starting, just starting their practices. And I always make the point like this content is really not actually for you because I think that when somebody is just starting out, they need to do a lot of experimentation. Um, You can't streamline without the data of showing you. So for example, one of the most important things to do in a business is identify who are my ideal clients, right? You cannot make that up. You can't start on day one when you haven't worked with clients and say, my ideal client is this. You might have some idea of your niche. You might have some idea of who you want to help, but you don't know who your ideal clients are until you've worked with a bunch of people and gone, oh, not not ones like that, right? And oh, ones like this, you know? So you kind of need that. So I went through that, you know, myself in, in the beginning processes and just kind of over time evolved and honed in on how I helped people and what the steps were. And by about, I don't know, second or third year is when it was pretty clear to me, like here's the process that's really successful in working with people. And I laid out that pathway. And so that's that's what I have now. It's called the Business Revolution Academy. That's my kind of front end. And so that's a six month program for wellness practitioners. It's quite intensive. And we go through a series of, of processes to streamline their um, their pricing and packaging, their offers and their sales system. Um, there's also other pieces to it, including their core, like forming their core ideology and um, and their differentiation, what what makes them stand out from others, and so on. So it's it's that is awesome. That's an awesome program. And then graduates of that, some people who graduate from that are ready for what is my next level, I call it the graduate level program is called the leadership cadre. And those are that that's it. It's super streamlined. And the beauty of so you're asking me about my business. But again, this is what I teach other people to do as well is when you streamline your business like that. So instead of I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, right. And you really hone in who are the people that I love working with and get the best results what is the journey that those people need to achieve the goals they're after mm-hmm. when you're able to streamline your services that's what you're providing you get to focus just on that and systematize as much as you can and that's what's going to help your business just flow right so that you're not doing this kind of taking anybody that shows up kind of bending over backwards to give them different things that they're asking for or that they need if they're not part of your core market that this program is designed for then you kindly refer them elsewhere right you've designed right. you've designed your whole business your your marketing your sales systems all your processes for serving them all around this core person and what service you know what the process the the journey they need is 
Got it. Got it. So um, I'd love to know a little bit more about who your clients are and if you could kind of hone in a little bit on uh, anything regarding yoga teachers, yoga studio owners, that'll really speak to the audience because even though I probably have listeners that are not yoga teachers, they might be wellness or fitness. I think that is definitely the majority of my audience is yoga teachers who either own a studio or thinking of owning a studio or maybe teachers like myself who never owned a studio and really don't want to. However, they are actively teaching and maybe they could definitely identify who their target customer is or client. So anything like tell us kind of the makeup of who's in your world and who you are helping and then maybe just hone in a little bit, little bit on the yoga piece. Yeah. So I actually, I work with a lot of people in, in movement modalities. Um, I work with a lot of body workers, a lot of movement people, and then a lot of um, trauma practitioners. So more mm -hmm. kind of therapy oriented. Mm -hmm. I'd say those are really like three, three really solid areas of, of people that I, that I attract. Um, and so mo the movement people, um, some of those came from yoga, but what's interesting is that many of them I've heard, I've heard multiple times things like, but I'm not just a yoga teacher, or I've, I've heard, you know, I got some real issues with the yoga world. Like that's where I came from, but I've got some real issues with it. Yeah. And so wanting, they're wanting to evolve beyond just standard yoga teacher, right? And really feel like they have, but they don't know how to, like, how do I say that? How do I explain that? How do I, you know, embody this, this, thing that I am that's more than just, you know, what people think of as yoga. So I'll give you a couple examples of specific people. I just did an interview with, um, with a graduate of the Business Revolution Academy named Hillary McCown, and maybe we can link that somewhere. It's, yeah, it's sure. publicly available. It was, it was yeah, so I'll link it in the show notes. So when people go to my website for this episode, it'll be in there. Yeah. And so uh, that's a good one for me to share since that was just so public um, that she just shared all this herself. But she was a yoga studio owner. And um, and she came to me as she was closing her yoga studio. So she had already decided that she she wanted to evolve. And what she said in this interview recently was that it felt like a ball and chain. <laughs> the studio, but I didn't meet her till she was already in the process of closing it. And what had happened was, you know, she had this studio and she had been, you know, she had been a yoga teacher and she had brought yoga to this community and had multiple teachers. And she had gone through this kind of evolution that I'm talking about that many people go through, which is she started learning new modalities at the same time as she herself was dealing with a chronic condition that at the time was undiagnosed. It turned out to be um, something called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that. It's a yeah. joint. Isn't it a joint? Yeah, disorder? but it's, yes, but it is totally um, systemic in right, right. Trippy, trippy ways. Almost yeah. like multiple sclerosis or arthritis or something along those yeah lines. yeah I don't know the I don't know the depth of the yeah it is very unique when you said the name I know it's one of those things clinically speaking that's 
not super common. So, okay. So she, she personally had this. She personally had it. And I think it was undiagnosed, but in her seeking, you know, to get better for herself or deal with this, you know, the symptoms herself, she found her way into um, different forms of trauma work and trauma therapy. And she started bringing what she was learning for herself to her clients and to her classes. Mm -hmm. And so she started attracting people to her classes that were people with chronic pain or chronic health issues. And that was who, that was who she was working with. I mean, that's what she was doing was really specific to them. Right. And so I think she decided to close the studio because she wanted to take that path specifically, you know? And um, I should mention, let's see, when did she start? It was this, she started, they started uh, about, she, she's in Northern Italy, which is where you might recall like the COVID yes. epidemic started. And, and so she came to me, it was probably six months into the, into the beginning of COVID. So it was kind of right at that time. So it was, you know, the studio had to be closed anyway because of COVID. And so I think that was part of what it was like, let's just shut this down. So what I'm trying to remember what question you asked me. Oh, just about yoga teachers. So this yeah. is, I'm and just trying to talk to your listeners about if, if any of them feel, if any of you listening feel that pull to go deeper in some way than just showing up for classes where people show up sporadically. Maybe there's a few regulars, right? But the pull to really serve people at a deeper level. And that's what she was feeling was, mm -hmm. I really want to work with these people with these particular chronic conditions and bring this full set of tools to them, this full set of resources to them. Mm -hmm. And so she came to me essentially to kind of redesign, evolve, reinvent her business. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, it was truly a brand new business, a whole different business entity, but that, you know, she, she, she could have been somebody who kept the studio open and then just kept this as a track in it. You know, that just happened to be the decision she made. I, I wasn't part of that decision. Sure, sure. Um, but what we've done is with her is developed, you know, what I, what I help practitioners do is first develop this, this core ideology behind like, why are you doing what you're doing? What's the purpose here? What's the intent? What are your values around this? That's the unsexy Heart that most people don't do in business. It doesn't seem sexy, and yet it's so foundational and so incredibly um, meaningful when you really do this right, when you are able to identify for yourself, what is this really about in a very clear statement? It becomes like your North Star. Mm. It helps you make decisions for where you take your business. Um, yeah. It helps you make decisions for who to collaborate with. It helps you make decisions, all, all kinds of decisions. So we developed that and then identified who these folks were. So her, the right people for her, her ideal clients, and then developed the programming to serve those people. And then we, we developed her sales system to enroll them mm -hmm. and, and then start to systematize those pieces. And so I realized you asked me a question earlier that I didn't address, which is relevant here too, which is <clears throat> anyone moving from any career into a new one, any business into a new one, anything you've done in the past, um, your, your like don't discount who your past community was. So you asked how I started this, this business and how I got clients. Well, my first handful of clients were just from a letter I sent out. I made a list of 
you know, everybody I thought of who was either a wellness practitioner that I knew, that I knew already, just through my regular personal life or my professional life, people I knew, or people who were the connector types, right? Who, who like to help others and kind of spread information. And I just wrote this simple letter saying, hey, I don't know if you know, I sold my business and here's what I'm planning on moving into. And here's who I'm, who, who I'm gonna help, you know? And I gave a link to, I basically offered 10 free strategy sessions and gave this link for people to apply for that. And it was through those strategy sessions that I got my first handful of clients. Wow. And, um, and so same as I'm talking about Hillary, you know, she had this community from yoga in this case, it's even just as close, but just as close of a, of a tie, Sure. but, but that's how you will, no matter what you're moving, even if I had gone from, you know, even if I had done this from public school teaching, you still, we in our lives have relationships we built. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's, she transitioned into that and she's location independent now. That was part of, oh, that was, uh, now I'm remembering, that was a major reason that she was closing the studio was, yeah. um, she doesn't share this in the interview, but she's actually by, uh, by, national now so she lives yeah. partly in Italy and partly in Spain and so she needed right. to be able to go back and forth so her business is all online now got it and that's how she works with people so that's one yeah. example of a yoga teacher I got others too <laughs> yeah I mean I think I love how you brought up that bicoastal thing or two different locations and I love that because I think it highlights one of the real advantages of having a virtual offer and I think more and more now I hear a little bit of pushback from yoga teachers in particular to teaching online because they feel like quote unquote, people are sick of doing things online. And I don't know, I sort of, I wonder what you think about that only because I do feel like there's been sort of a sea change, a forced sea change from the consumer side of things to participate in things online that never before would have been done online. And I do sort of wonder, is it, is there really something else going on there? When I hear that from a yoga teacher, I don't want to do that online because people are sick of it. I sort of wonder, is it really something from the teacher's perspective that is the subtext? Because I don't really feel like people out there on the consumer end of wellness services, like obviously you need to get a massage in person, you need to get acupuncture in person. Um, but I mean, at this point, and obviously quality matters and there are different levels of things, but you can go on betterhelp.com off of your web, off of your phone and talk to a therapist, which in some parts of the country, you can't even get a therapist in real life to meet with you unless you wait for months and months and months. I'm talking like a psychologist or even a psychiatrist. So I wonder what you think about that whole aspect, especially given where we are now and the timeline of this pandemic. Yeah. It's a great question. And I, I, I definitely have an opinion on it. So, I mean, first, let me say when I started this business, 2017 pre COVID, I knew, and, and this is relevant to what I'm gonna say about yoga teachers, is I, I happen to be an introvert. I'm somebody who loves being at home. I'm a cancer too, I'm very domestic. And I was super excited to be building an online business 
for me, the idea of working from home, like I loved it and that I could work with people all over the world from my computer. And it's funny because this is not that many years ago, but I remember telling people what I did for a living and they'd go, wait, what? How do you do that? And I'd be like, there's this technology, we, it's called Zoom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, was, I was there with you because I had my anatomy program long before the pandemic, so. Okay. And before that we were on GoToMeeting, you know, I remember when yes. Zoom started and I moved to Zoom. So, um, so, I, so I'm, I'm mentioning this because it, for me, uh, building an online business was about what kind of lifestyle do I want? I loved the idea of not having to drive places to meet people, you know? Um, I, I just, I was thrilled with that. So, so to me, the issue of online or not very much should be centered on what you as a practitioner like. Where do you feel most fulfilled? So I get plenty of, um, specifically, I can think of a yoga teacher who, who came to me and said, um, she said something like, I feel like I'm supposed to offer these online classes because that's what everyone is doing now, you know? And, you know, she had some struggles or whatever. And I just kind of stop and say, well, listen, how is it that you most want to work with people? Like, forget about what, you know, what you think you're supposed to do or what the conditions are right now. How do you want to work with people? Do you like working with people online or do you like working with people in person? Do you like both? And that's where I start with the practitioner. There's so many, we have so many shoulds. I mean, people come with so many shoulds. I've heard this phrase, like, don't should on yourself, you know? Right. And it's amazing how those shoulds really come from outside of ourselves. So the first place I would go is to inside yourself and how do you want to serve clients? And so to me, that's, that's, that's kind of number one. How do you want yeah. to serve clients? And then we, we want, you want to build a business that supports the lifestyle that you want, you know? Right. So there's the lifestyle aspect. Like I'm saying, I really liked not having to drive, you know, places to see clients. There's that, but there's also the fact that I actually feel that I can serve my clients really well online. Uh, I don't think serve, working with them in person would serve them any better. So that's a second layer to it is... Right you know, are, are you able to, are you able to provide what you want to provide by doing it online? Mm -hmm. um, so I've been amazed. I, it's unpredictable to me. It's why I, it's why I asked the practitioner right off the bat, because it's unpredictable to me. I saw that you have, you know, you had the two episodes about working with people online. And I love that that's opening those doors to folks so that they can experience that. But it is ultimately up to them. I've been surprised. I have a client who works with um, elders specifically. She does uh, restorative movement work with with elders. And pre-pandemic, um, she had a she has a, still has a, a brick and mortar location. And pre-pandemic, maybe she already was online even before then. Anyway, the online offerings she has are really really successful. And the, the, when I say elders, you know, it's like kind of 65 and up kind of folks. And um, they love it because they can do it from their living room, right? I was surprised to hear that she, that she and her teachers, she has a whole staff teaching these, how effective it's been. So the, the point is, is that it really is about you and how you feel you're able to provide the best results and what you enjoy most. And so they've totally been able to do it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can certainly say from personal experience when I started offering regular online classes, my 80 some odd year old mother with a total knee replacement from years ago and a total shoulder replacement on the opposite side from years ago. She is one of my most regular customers. Her jazzercise in New Jersey went away with COVID and never returned. Mm. And um, she is always the first one to email me towards the end of the week. When is the new schedule going to be posted on your website? And I can see her in my old room in New Jersey there holding on to the desk and doing the things that she can do. And she absolutely loves it. And many of the people listening who have come to my classes have met my mom because they'll see Fabian as the last name. And, you know, I'll just kind of head it off at the past. I'll be like, just let you know, that's my mother. So, um, yeah, I can totally say, you know, and she is by her own admission, a senior citizen, and she modifies um, everything so that she feels like there's an access point for her. Um, So it sounds like, you know, I love how you focus on, you know, rather than the should, you know, kind of getting to the beginning of that, the precursor to that, which is really, what do I get joy from? How do I feel like I want to be of service? And it reminds me of when you were mentioning starting your conversations with people around, you didn't call it a mission statement. I forget how you called it, but that exercise you take people through where they really can identify separate from culturally and the shoulds. What do I want to do? How can I, what's my unique, you know, in yoga, what's your Dharma? What's our unique way of being of service? So I think that is a really important takeaway for the listeners is to, you know, if you feel yourself sort of mired in doing all these things, oh, I should go back to teaching online because now the pandemic has sort of eased in my local area and restrictions are lifted. But what if I don't want to be driving around again? I sort of like that. I haven't had to drive around. I mean, for many years, I walked across the Mass Ave Bridge and walked all over Boston for probably, if I really think about it, 15 years before COVID. And it's been a very different lifestyle that, like you say, has it affords you different things that you just didn't have before. So I just wanted to put a pin in that and just note that for the listeners. So the one thing that I'm always curious about, and you talked about this a little bit in terms of your business, how you started to get people And when you were talking about in the very beginning, how you sent a letter, first of all, did you mean a a letter in the post or did you mean an email? It was an email. Okay. Cause I was like, Whoa, she sent it, which I love. I love the analog. I mean, I do some analog stuff and people are like, Oh my God, I got a card from you. I'm like, they still do that. That's still a thing. Um, I love that whole piece that you mentioned when you were starting out about how you reached out to people and it made me think about some of the questions I get from teachers. It's not even, I get questions. I, I get a little bit of, it's not even really resistance. It's just the, I'm not really sure what to do to let people know what I offer. And, you know, to me, there are a lot of like logical things like what you mentioned. And so oftentimes I'm very much like sharing those ideas. You're the expert in this from a business strategy perspective. So I'd love for you, you know, think about yoga teachers who are listening, who have recently graduated from teacher training, all the studios in their area, many have shut down. They're yearning to teach. They're willing to teach online. They're just not sure how to get the word out. 
you know, that, that kind of type of person, or even someone who is teaching in person, maybe a blend of in-person online, although they feel this calling, like you said, to kind of branch out, they really want to do something like maybe a wellness weekend, or maybe develop a special tract for people with musculoskeletal injuries or whatever it is, trauma informed, whatever it is, how do they possibly get the word out to people? Yeah. Well, so it's a marketing question about marketing. Um, and so I will speak to that, but I do want to say that I don't work with people who are just starting their businesses for the first time. And that's because I actually don't think, you know, I, I really lead established practitioners through a step-by-step -step process to streamline their businesses and, and really make like get steady, consistent income and long-term clients. Um, I really do think that somebody who's just starting, I think you need to just be as scrappy as you can and you try anything you can and you experiment and you just have to be, I, I think the number one thing needed there is courage. And I don't think there's one way to do it. I think you just, you know, you just have courage and you go try things and you get ready to be shot down or hear no response. And you just have to be totally okay with it and be courageous yeah. and try whatever comes to mind. That's yeah. what I think. And I think a lot of people get stuck. I call this, I call this the wobbly zone. A lot of people get stuck in here in things like, well, I need a website and I need this and I need a scheduler and I need this. And so they kind of stack all these barriers right in front of themselves of like, I need to build this and achieve all this and do all this before I can actually, you know, launch my business and get clients. And I, I just think that that's, that's keeping yourself down, you know, yeah. and really just get scrappy and, and go out and do it. So just want to say that for just starting. Got it. Got it. But the general question of I have a class or a workshop I'm offering and how do I get the word out? I will just share what the number one mistake that practitioners make, um, yoga teachers or anyone in, um, in marketing their services is that we think especially because it feels so scary to announce, announce what we have. And so we think it's all about us, you know, and we think, okay, I need to share what I'm doing and here I've got this thing. And even when we're courageous, we go here, I've got this thing, here I am, I'm here people and I have this thing and please come by it. And, you know, you're showing your face and it seems like we, for whatever reason, that's what we think marketing is supposed to do. And, and it's really not. What we want marketing to do is instead of saying, here I am, is to say, I see you. You being the prospective clients that you want to attract. And so you want any of your marketing, whether it's the visuals, whether it's the words you use, whether it's the, the title even of your workshop. I mean, this is one of those things like, man, we could just make some of these workshop titles so much better. We want all of that to be talking to the person you want to attract. We want it to be all about them. It actually doesn't need to say anything about you, anything, right? We want it to be about them. So you want to identify, I was talking about that letter I sent out. The letter was just like, hey, I closed my gym. That's the only part about me. I sold my gym, excuse me, I didn't close it. I sold it. That's the only part about me. And then I said, I'm here to help these people. And the whole letter was about, here's the pains and problems and goals and desires of the people that I'm looking for. 
And here's something for you. And I want to invite you to this free strategy session. Mm -hmm. right? It's all about them. And that's what you want your marketing to do. So you have a series or a class or a workshop. Oh. First of all, the title, you know, give it a title that's going to tell them about the results they can experience, not like a title of what it is. I have a I wrote a, some social media post and I made an email about it too. That was, I just, I went into this like online forum that I'm part of on Facebook, you know, and I just pulled these titles of like all these workshops people had. And it would be like yin yoga experience, um, you know, um, somatics in dance workshop or whatever. And it's just this like, what? But what we, that, that, I mean, first of all, somatics and dance, it's like the only people who are gonna even know what that is, is people who are already familiar with somatics or are in dance, right? Same as yin yoga. Like I've done a fair bit of yoga. I don't particularly know what yin yoga is, but it's it's like, it's it's not gonna attract me because it's acting, I don't know, I assume, oh, this is for people who do this kind of yoga and I don't particularly know what that is. So that's for them, right? Okay. And yeah, so we want titles that actually pull me and attract me and tell me what I can get. Who's it for and when, what can I get out of it? And you can embed that in a title. And same as all of, like I said, your marketing from the imagery to your descriptions of it. It's really about who is this for and what kind of impact can this have on you if you join us? And the more in-depth though, this, this is really about exploration of understanding who your people are. When right. you can describe the experiences of your people, you know, so you have, to, you have to hone in on this. And what usually practitioners who haven't done this kind of work um, are really, really broad. You know, you see things like feel better, you know, move better. Like it's very, very, you know, it's, a, it's something, it's a little bit of a result, but we're talking about being able to actually, actually tell stories about your people and what they're experiencing because you know them so well and you know what they're, you know, what they're experiencing in their life and what needs they have that this workshop or class is going to fulfill. Um, and that, that just is completely dependent on who your people are, but, you know, it might be something as simple as, you know, busy, you know, let's say you hone in on who your people are and they're busy professionals who don't take any time for themselves. It's like your whole marketing message for a particular class can be all about taking time for yourself. You know, oh. and you can be talking about everything that's stopping you from taking time for yourself. You're running around doing this and going to these people and this boss and da, 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 da take some time for yourself. I'm just completely making that up. There could be right. so many different angles depending on who your people are. No, I think that is such a great nugget. And I, I think back to before COVID when it was very common to walk into a yoga studio and see a flyer on the wall about an upcoming workshop. And this is very much part of the way that studios and yoga teachers would market their events even at the end of class, when teachers would make an announcement about an upcoming event they had, it was always this very much like you described. If you can understand what I'm saying, then you're the person to come to this workshop when really what you want is to make the languaging inclusive enough that it's clear what the benefit is, maybe to a defined group of people or maybe to a broader audience. But I think yoga as an industry is somewhat um guilty of using a lot of just very specific language that only people in the know understand and that is 
constantly one of the complaints from people who would love to come to classes and yet they feel like there's this special group that you have to be part of uh, to to get benefits. So yeah, I think that's a great message. And I think anyone listening who's a yoga teacher, I, I really hope that, that that kind of made an impression because I think it from today forward, your Instagram posts, your TikTok videos, your whatever you're doing to explain what you're doing. I mean, it sort of reminds me of years ago when I worked corporate and you would go to a presentation and someone was, would spend the first 10 minutes talking about themselves. And it's like, dude, just let's get on with what we're here to learn about. Like I can read your bio on the company website or whatever. So, okay, great. Well, um, as we sort of wrap up here, I want to I want to kind of give you the freedom to go into anything else that you might want to share with people. Um, I do know that your assistant forwarded me a masterclass that's a, a recorded um, uh, event. And so I can definitely and will share that in the show notes if you want to speak a little bit to that or, or anything, how people find out more about you, how they can inquire about enrolling in your program, I sort of give you the opportunity to, to tie this up in whatever way you'd like. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Well, I'd say for anyone listening, if you're listening and you're just kind of getting started, you know, maybe a place to um, learn more is go to my podcast, which is called The Business Revolution for Practitioners. But as I know, as I've noted throughout, you know, talking to you today, like really my content is for people who are established. So what I will say is if you're listening and you're, you know, an established yoga teacher or you've been teaching yoga for a while and um, have been evolving and really recognize, ooh, I'm ready to step out of this, you know, box that seems to be yoga teachers and really, really serve clients at a deeper level and really, really make this, you know, a thriving practice in a, in a way that's different from perhaps what you see out there, that, that would be where to, um, where to really kind of get some of my free materials to start. So yes, we sent, we gave you a link. And so that, that'll be in the show notes, I assume for, that's a, a, a masterclass I have called on the client champion formula, it's called. And so I'm just gonna say really briefly, the client champion formula is about identifying the right people for your business, for your practice, designing the right program for them, and then having a predictable sales system to enroll them. So I just wanna mention that really briefly since we didn't touch on that at all the sales systems, the word sales, you know, sounds so like marketing and businessy and people get kind of grossed out. And I actually, I, I just want to normalize like sales just means the process by which you get clients. And so what many people mistake is marketing and sales for the same thing. And they're two different things. So I talk about marketing as how you attract your audience. It's how you attract leads. We were just talking about, you know, marketing a workshop that's, you know, your marketing, you want to say, I see you, I see you, right? But ideally, we're not selling in our marketing. Our marketing is not saying, now buy this. So you do need some mechanism to get people to buy, right? And so with my clients, what we do is design this step-by-step -step process where you're inviting somebody to a next step and inviting them to a next step. And ultimately, when we're talking about the level of services that my clients provide, so a yoga teacher, let's say, I mentioned Hillary. So, you know, Hillary, I believe, enrolls people initially, I believe it's a three-month, it may be six-month, a three-month or a six-month, like, 
program process journey. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, there's some kind of continuity ongoing stuff. But to enroll somebody in that kind of container, you need a really, really individualized process that's not, you know, clicking a button on a page, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so the way we do that is through a really in-depth consultation process, a free consultation of some sort. It can be called an assessment. You know, in my business, it's a discovery call. And it's where you're really, really doing a true assessment of somebody and what they need. And as a practitioner, you're first determining, uh, you know, in your head as you're talking to them and going through this process that I teach, you're determining, is this person one of the right people? Is this person somebody who is definitely needs exactly what I've, what I've created in this journey? And when you do your business right, your marketing is all aligned so that yes, you are attracting right. exactly the person that's needed, but you just wanna make sure this person has all the conditions to be successful. And if they have, you're demonstrating to them, here's the path that you need to take. And so it becomes this total no-brainer. There's no, um, you know, we say sales, and yet there's no convincing, there's no pushing, there's not even pitching. I call it no, a no-pitch sales process. You're mm -hmm. simply, as a practitioner with the expertise you have, laying out for them, here's what I'd recommend for you based on everything I've just learned to get to your goals, this, 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 this. And if that's that, those steps should be aligned to what you offer. And if they are, then it's just an absolute no brainer for them to continue. So I just wanted to share kind of, that's a really no, specific process. Great. And I think it's a really good reframe. I think back to that example I shared before about back before COVID, when there was so many things happening in person, when the yoga teacher would get up at the end of class and share about their upcoming workshop. And many times if I was in a class and that was happening, I could sort of feel the uncomfortableness on the part of the teacher, you know, oh gosh, now I'm sharing something that I have and I want you to come to this and I want you to sign up. And I think some of that comes from feeling like all of a sudden now I'm not teaching, now I'm selling. And there still is today, even, even today, um, uh, I see on social media sometimes sort of debates about whether or not you should be making money as a yoga teacher, whether or not that's consistent with the tradition of yoga, even if we sort of separate the tradition part, just oftentimes the type of person. I talk to many yoga teachers who are not pricing their services at any level that is reasonable. And similar to what you said, are doing a lot of running around, doing a lot of free things because they're not comfortable with identifying what they're worth, connecting it to their feeling of value and assertively, not aggressively, but assertively saying, this is, this is my, you know, this is my fee and not even having any internal organization so that when someone does approach them, they can sort of say, oh, this is fantastic. I'd love to help you. And here's, you know, at some point in the conversation and here's, you know, uh, what the investment would be. That is just definitely not part of the conversation. So I love that you brought that up. I think that's really important. And um, I think working with you, it's clear. And I'm sure that I have teachers listening who are not in those initial stages. And I know for sure, I talk to teachers a lot these days who are looking to add on different pieces, whether it's trauma-informed or other things. So um, so that, that's great. So tell us how do, how do people find you on social media? What's your, 
I'm actually not big on social media, but what I will say is we do have a private Facebook community for practitioners, right. so that would be a great place to go. I will have to get you the link for yeah. that. So what's um, your website? My <laughs> website is joannasapir.com. And then what we have for your listeners, um, the free masterclass that I'm offering, which is really quite in-depth. So again, that's for experienced practitioners. That you can find at joannasapir.com slash the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast. Oh, um, yeah. And that's, I think, the link that your assistant yes. said. So yes. yes. So for the listeners uh, to find that the easiest way, she just gave you the URL. I'll also include it in the show notes. So I know a lot of folks listen on iTunes and Podbean. If you uh, can't remember that URL, just go to barebonesyoga.com on the podcast page. The show notes for this episode will have that link. Um, and that's a way to get into my world. You know, we'll yeah. invite you into the Facebook group from there. And yeah. I do, I'll just mention there's a lot of neat things. So I do run a monthly free um, gathering called the Practitioner's Business Roundtable, where practitioners can come. There's some networking and it's open Q&A with me. So usually that's people who have already consumed some of the masterclass, maybe listen to some podcast episodes and are trying to apply some of the principles that they're learning and they can come, come to that roundtable and, and ask questions about how to do that. That's great. Yeah. And I think the masterclass will be a nice follow-up to this conversation because it'll yeah be the platform where you share kind of the big picture of, of the strategies. So, well, this has been really great. And I so appreciate um, the opportunity to speak with you, to get to know you. And I hope we have chances in the future to get together again in some way, who knows, especially now that the virtual thing is, you know, kind of happening all the time, it'll be super easy. So Thank you so very much for your time today. And this particular conversation will go up on Monday. Um, today is Tuesday. So my episode yesterday that I did Friday went up yesterday. And then I always post on Mondays. And I really like to post like within a couple of days of things. I listened to a podcast today and it was recorded in December. And the guy was like, Boston was so cold today. I'm like, what is he talking about? And then I realized, so no, this is, this is going up in a couple of days. So I'll send you the link on Monday and um, yeah, thank you just so much. It was great to see you. Great to learn more about you. And I'm excited to watch that masterclass myself and maybe we'll chat again soon. Great. It was really a pleasure being here. It was a great conversation, Karen. Thank you. Yes. All right. Have a good rest of your day and I'll send you that link ASAP. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi there. Well, you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro, which is amazing. Thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's gonna be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link 
to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page. You can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022, and it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your queuing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know. And I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.